Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy clarity, the calm. Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome. What a weekend of sports and some uh, music stuff, too. So we'll spend the next, uh, let's say, hour and a half or so talking just about Taylor Swift. I joke. We've got a lot going on in the program, Tennessee basketball. Sorry, guys. I'm ahead of the curve. I'm not like this. I'm not a pat on my back type of guy. But, uh, Caleb, I picked them by 10. If you saw my post uh, over the weekend, I just thought this was a game they play well against Kentucky. John Calipari skips the postgame interview. Dead man walking, maybe a little bit strong, but I don't think we're far from that with Calipari. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the rest of the SEC schools? And the news that came out Friday, the SEC and Big Ten have formed a joint advisory group. Is this the start of a mega conference? And also, we'll get more on that uh, NCAA versus, or Tennessee, I should say, suing the NCAA along with Virginia. Got some responses, some clarification. So we appreciate you being on board each and every week. And I'm uh, very pleased to say that uh, back in Knoxville for me personally. So it's a good thing. We're off and rolling. If you could hit that like button, just take one second, hit the like button. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it. Most of you have. The one thing I was looking over some analytics over the weekend, a lot of people haven't turned their notifications on. So click that bell so you can get the latest. We had Cooper Mays. Over the weekend. All right. So here we go, Caleb Calhoun. It is today's tough question. But first, I want to ask you, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I was up watching Taylor Swift win a record fourth album of the year, guys. All-time Grammy record. I I think she's uh, she's pretty talented, I guess. All right. So here we go. Uh, (laughs) Let's get to it. It is time for today's tough question. And today's tough question Today, brought to you by our good friend at Don Self at State Farm. Customer service still matters. I'll tell you more about DonSelf.net, DonSelf.net. But first of all, 
Let's discuss exactly what happened on Friday afternoon. There are a lot of moving parts that I want to get into. I want to share some things behind the scenes that you may not be aware of. So shortly after we got off the air on Friday, they announced that the SEC and Big Ten would do this uh, coalition sort of thing. First of all, let me get your thoughts on that, Caleb, and um, what you think this might mean for the state of college football? Because I don't think it's, I don't think it's big. I think it's monstrous. I think it's huge. Now, I want to be upfront with everybody. I'm not unaware of the alliance, quote unquote, that the Big Ten and the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 or the Big Ten and the ACC or whatever those there were three conferences that formed an alliance to counter the growing power of the SEC. They did that in 2021. But Dave, you and I knew from the start that alliance was a lie because you and I both knew the Big Ten, they may form an alliance with these conferences, but they'll poach those conferences the second they get the chance, which is exactly which is exactly what they did. And yeah, so it was laughable when that alliance was formed. We all knew it was a hollow alliance then. It was all out of anger of the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma. The Big Ten pretended to be principled, and they said, you know what? Screw this alliance. We're going to go poach the Big Ten and add some of our own teams now. And so that alliance was totally hollow. This alliance isn't hollow. Okay, you have you have these, both of these conferences are embedded with TV deals, TV networks that don't want to give up these conferences. They don't want to give them up at all. And so they have a ton of power and the networks have a ton of power and nobody has incentive for these conferences to really poach each other. I guess you will see some geographical fights if the ACC becomes available, but this is a clear alliance to say that for them to realize that we don't really need the NCAA anymore. We are so powerful on our own as mega conferences that there's absolutely no reason for us to acquiesce to the NCAA's demands at this point. Um, okay. I want to unpack a couple of things. I want to start with time frame. Here are my thoughts on time frame. Let's get yours. While the NCAA has moved incredibly slow when it comes to college football, they haven't moved slow lately. It seemed like NIL just, bam, happened. It took a little bit longer, but the transfer portal just happened. The playoffs just happened. I think we were maybe on the air at one point when it went from a 14 to a 12-team playoff just like that. And then I think we were also on the air when they moved it up a year. So um, these things are happening quicker than they did previously. Caleb, a previous generation like me, would look at something like this and say, get back to me in 25 years. This ain't a 25-year thing. This is going to be something they're going to move, I think, quickly on. Now, you mentioned that coalition, and there are agreements in place for the college football playoff. But my question to you is, how long does that contract run? And do you really put much stock in that? Because every contract's breakable, right? No, I don't. And honestly, the contracts don't even have to be broken. The NCAA doesn't put on the college football playoff. The athletic directors and conference commissioners do. The SEC and Big Ten could very easily say to ESPN, which carries the college football playoff, that's what the deal is happening right now, say, hey, we just want this to be us, us, uh, our two conferences and nothing else. Don't carry any other teams in this. This is our playoff. We run it. And this is what we want on your network. I mean, I have a feeling it wouldn't be too hard to renegotiate that deal with ESPN. I, I doubt ESPN has signed a contract with these other athletic directors. I mean, what are these entities that exist? So 
I guess theoretically it's the college football playoff committee that is the entity that was agreed upon by all the conference commissioners and athletic directors at the time. But that entity is only as powerful as the most powerful people who agree to acknowledge this existence, isn't it? So, I mean, if the SEC and the Big Ten decide we don't really want to be a part of this, I'm pretty sure ESPN could easily break that contract with the CFP committee and the SEC and Big Ten could could form their own contract with ESPN at that point. Well, let's ask this question. Uh, would Tennessee definitely be in? Um, I, I think it's a lock now, but I don't think it necessarily was four years ago. I think Tennessee was that program that was teetering on the brink. And and let me tell you why. First brought to you by Don Self, donself.net. He is in the greater Chattanooga area. He is your state farm agent. Customer service still matters. Over 40 years in experience, greater Chattanooga area, 423-396-2126, 423-396-2126, or just go to donself.net, donself.net. That's right below. Uh, so Tennessee is definitely in. They're the top half of the SEC. So you would think the top half. Now, I'm looking way forward. I'm looking, Caleb, so I want to make sure we're on the time frame. I'm looking to the point in which the the college football playoff uh, means that all of these conferences are going to select their best teams. And the college football committee, whoever this is, are going to select the best teams for a super conference. So... I think that eventually, and I know you disagree, I think some Vanderbilt, some Northwesterns will be left out, and you'll include some other former Pac-12 teams, and you'll have the best 32-38 teams. That's the goal. Tennessee was teetering on the brink of not being in this not, not that long ago. I, t- Tennessee was a program that was listless for a decade, that didn't have much excitement around the program. Nobody was jumping up down and cheering for Jeremy Pruitt Neyland Stadium and I can't see I, I blame them. I'm not saying that if the same administration was in place now that had been then that Tennessee wouldn't have made a super conference but I will at least say it would be worth sweating it a little bit. If they had continued to be that poor for what would be now 15 years and I just don't think that that would have been a good look for Tennessee getting in there. Um, but I think Tennessee's a lot for a super conference uh, 99 times out of a hundred. Yeah. I'm going to disagree. I think it's a hundred out of a hundred. And the reason I'm going to disagree and I'll, I'll get, if the super conference happened tomorrow, if it just happened tomorrow, just like that, you and I both know Nebraska would be in there. Nebraska hasn't been relevant in 20 years and Nebraska yes. would still be in that super conference. And because of the revenue and the power they bring in and things they generate, if there was, I, I, I you know, if you go to, if baseball, this, or if the NBA, if baseball decided to break off and say, you know, we're only going to take like the 15 best teams and form another super league, no matter what happens, the Yankees will always be there. No matter how bad they are, no matter how bad the Red Sox is, no matter how the Red Sox are, no matter how bad the Cowboys are, if the NFL decided we're going to contract to 16 teams, the Cowboys would be in that 16 teams, no matter what they did the year before. And okay. I think Sorry, Tennessee I, would be in that situation. Yeah, I think Tennessee's in. I mean, I think at worst they would get around that 25 to 30 spot of being selected had they kept Pruitt, had all those things just stayed bad instead of gotten so bad that you had to make a change. So I'm uh, clearly 
talking theoretical now. Um, it, it will be very interesting to see how this develops. I, I'm going to pat ourselves on the back for here just a second at Off the Hook Sports. I think we've provided you with some info that you didn't know about, and this is going back 18 months. Uh, it's brought to you by The Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Hemp House Chat with two Ts.com. Hemp House Chat with two Ts.com. I think Greg Sankey was giving me a little bit of a hint. He, he and I, for whatever reason, have a good rapport. I'm not saying that I'm in tight with him. I don't have his cell phone number. But I just felt like, and I told you this at the time, if you remember, Caleb, he goes, well, let's just see what happens with this TV contract. So you've criticized the SEC TV contract. You've got every right to do so on paper. But if it changes somehow, then you look at it in retrospect in a different way. I believe firmly that Sankey thought all of this was coming and all of these deals are going to be somewhat reorganized for a super conference because you're basically walking in and saying, boom, I've got something a lot better for you. Caleb, I've stood by that the whole time. I didn't think the television contract would prove to be as bad as it looks on paper right now, but you said it's bad. Do you change your thoughts on it whatsoever? No, not yet, and here's why. I don't see the – unless he himself becomes conference commissioner or super conference commissioner, I don't see the incentive for Greg Sinke to – want a super conference. I don't see the incentive for any conference commissioner to want a super conference. I mean, the whole cash Dave, money, honest, cash, cash money. What are you talking about? Wait, 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 cash money that he wouldn't get. What would be the purpose of his job as sec commissioner? If there's a super conference, well, like, I, I, I actually think that, um, that, and if you look at Sankey and, and what he's doing, I think he could be the commissioner of football one day. I think he could be the Roger Goodell of football. Um, so what happens if he plays himself and they do the super conference and instead Nick Saban gets appointed commissioner and then Greg Sankey's out of a job? Yeah. I Fair mean, enough. so this is this is a big risk to think I want super conference. I think the conference commissioners are going by the way of the NCAA in 10 years. In 10 years, Dave, we're going to be talking about conferences the way we talk about the NCAA now which is their whole business is staying in business. And because I personally think conferences make no sense now in this eight day and age in college football. Okay. I agree with the, I'm with you, the 38, 40 team mega conference, whatever it is. I, I personally like 60 to 70. Cause I think I like college football as more of a national sport, but whatever we can quibble with that. I like the idea of a bunch of teams and just one all being independent. They all negotiate their own TV deals and they just agree to scheduling each other. You know, like a Tennessee could just pick their own rivals who they play on a yearly basis. I think no, that's the best way to do it. I'm fair with that. Uh, okay, so let me – well, now I want to see every – I want to see a super conference where every game scheduled. There are no non-conference schedules. Well, that's – I agree. I agree. Okay, okay. I, so, no – that there's no conference – there's no conferences, period, in my no, ideal. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I agree with that. All right, so what, what SEC teams – should be worried about getting left out of this thing. Well, um, obviously Vanderbilt, because it's a, if, if this happened, if this became a mega conference and they excluded teams later, Vanderbilt is 100% done for. I mean, it's over. They And, and by the way, I don't think they would well, care. Wait, if haven't you out. said Vanderbilt original charter member and all that stuff and that they're never going to go away? Didn't you, didn't you tell me all that? I mean, 
how can you just diss Vanderbilt? After Wait, Vanderbilt? a charter school of the SEC. If there's a super conference that we're talking about, the SEC doesn't, doesn't exist anymore. That is true. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So a super conference assumes that there's no such thing as the SEC or the Big Ten anymore. So who cares if you're a charter member? Vandy's in trouble. Missouri's probably the second most in trouble one. And then I would say Mississippi State. And then I would probably go South Carolina. Those are the four that I think are in the most trouble of any programs. Um, you know. Did and you say Arkansas? I think Arkansas could get in. I, I, have you looked at the revenue? They are loyal like Nebraska. Yeah. They no, generate they revenue. You know, they got that Walmart money too. I mean, everybody there makes $125,000. You just bump into somebody like, hey, I might be worth a million next year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, all right, so the NCAA versus Tennessee and Virginia. And by the way, we've got the coolest shirts coming up celebrating the fact that the University of Tennessee, a lot of people in here, that's your team, took on the NCAA. Which, can I stop for a second, everybody? That's just freaking awesome, is it not? I mean, it's it's epic, and I give the university credit, and we're going to talk about this in a minute because I give the university a heck of a lot more credit than I give the state of Tennessee uh, public officials credit. Oh for. well, I, you know, I I don't care who it is. I don't want to get into the politics of it. I think that they are ultimately driving the the university. Is the university's driving. driving it. Yes, they're yeah. they're the ones driving it. But as we get into this lawsuit, we're going to realize that there is a there was a fatal, not a fatal, but there is a giant flaw in how the state pursued this and something they should have addressed before they decided to pursue this, nope, which we'll get fair. into. Good reporting. And I want to give him credit, a uh, good reporting by uh, Chris Vanini. And let's start out with one of his tweets, which lays out exactly what both sides are thinking. So the NCAA's legal response to the Tennessee, Virginia lawsuit over NIL recruiting uh, is in. It argues that Tennessee's – this is how fast this is moving, guys. I mean, this is not going to be a wait two or three years sort of thing. Uh, Tennessee's own state law bars NIL for recruiting. Case fails to show irre irreparable harm. Court relief is to preserve status quo, and NCAA rules are status quo. Would create chaos. That is their response. My response to that is, is this if Tennessee's own state law bars NIL for recruiting? First of all, that's stupid. Cops are not going to break away from a murder case to go check out some uh, NIL issue. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Uh, second, when you talk about the the state laws behind that, well, they're different. In Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz can sit in front of a prospect and a prospective advertiser and help them negotiate a deal. So that to me just sounds like the typical ignorant NCAA response. Let me throw something out there that sounds kind of good. And if you really don't know the sport, then maybe you'll be okay with that. And you'll just say, oh, well, I'll roll with that. It must be a state law. Well, then every state's different. Then you're practically giving Missouri a one-up on every other program 
in the nation. Chris Vanini also reported this. Uh, he said the Tennessee, Virginia uh, attorney general response to the NCAA is in. It argues this NIL deals for recruits aren't pay for play. Let's start with that one. They aren't pay for play. Eh. I mean, I, I know it's pay for appearance. I had a great uh, lunch with Jacob Warren over the weekend and just loved working with him and, and paid him. And it was awesome. Good to see him. But I know it's for image and likeness. But if he's not playing football, we're not paying him or anybody else. Caleb, let's not be silly. I agree, but I actually want to go back to your state law first point because that's what I wanted to hit to. Um, You're totally wrong on this. This was a giant mistake by Tennessee because the problem is this. The Tennessee Attorney General is suing his – the whole point of the Tennessee's – of the state of Tennessee's argument is that NIL restrictions are antitrust violations. Well, if that's the case, your own freaking state is violating antitrust laws right now with an NIL law. And so the NCAA's point is this. All they're saying, they're not saying that because of this, we're allowed to investigate. What the NCAA is saying is, how can you sue us for something that you're doing? How can you say when we do it, it's illegal, but you're doing it at the state level? You're saying we're in violation of federal law. Well, based on the Constitution, federal law does trump state law. So you're in violation of federal law at the state level. And you're suing us for the exact thing that you're breaking the law for. I think that's the NCAA's argument. And this was a fatal, stupid flaw by Tennessee. How in the world, knowing, and I got to go back a few years, a couple of years ago, because Dave, NIL started, what, 2021, right? Yeah, it was Bryce Young's freshman year, yes. That means the state had to proactively pass this law. How in the world could they have proactively, stupidly passed this law knowing that this was going to be a fight down the road with the NCAA and that they lost some leverage? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I cannot, but I did not know that state officials, state lawmakers thought it was a good idea to pass that law. That is stupid. Um, a quick question from Daniel on the message board How is the state breaking the law? No, the state is what the state is doing. So, Daniel, federal law trumps state law. The state is suing the NCAA saying they're in violation for federal law. But their own law, their own state law is in violation of federal law. So for them to cite federal law to defend Tennessee, while at the same time themselves violating that federal law, they've told, I mean, the the intent of the person in a lawsuit does matter to a lot of, no, I think Tennessee's right. I think Tennessee is right that it is a violation of federal law. I think Tennessee now has lost the state of Tennessee, not the school has lost the cards to be able to sue though. They should withdraw from the lawsuit and let Virginia handle this lawsuit. Cause that is beyond stupid that they passed that law. That's the dumbest thing I've ever known a state to do. And I cannot believe that they did that. And, and so that's where I met with that. Now, as far as NIL deal for recruits aren't paid for play. Yeah. I think I, I don't like that response by Tennessee and Virginia because the whole point of this lawsuit is they're trying to argue that it should be pay for play that it should be allowed because you're restricting market if you don't allow pay for play. So I, I think they hurt themselves in that lawsuit. Um, but yes, but I, and also just on the principle of it. Yes. That's a flat out lie. It's, it's, it's pay for play. We know it's pay for play. They both, both of those attorney generals know that the schools do it as pay for play. So it's laughable to pretend otherwise.
It, it, it is. I mean, I, Jacob would have laughed at that when I had lunch with him. <laughs> you know, I, I know why you're paying me. It's not because I'm like a good looking dude and a nice guy. Hey, I want to take issue with uh, one of our posters here, Derek. Okay. So this, this to me, Derek, I, I respect your opinion, but I think it's, I think it's misguided. Said I may be done with football in general, a super conference. Uh, we uh, just, I don't know, disintegrate. I don't know what that word is. Sounds stupid. Let's just water everything down. The SEC downfall should have never went the ESPN route. So, Caleb, you, you're an opinionated person, but open your mind for just a second and go with me on this. If college football five years from now is like the NFL and it is awesome game from noon to midnight. Um, it is matchups against rated teams, the top 32, 38 teams theoretically in the nation. That to me is a, a, a much better uh, way of going about things than what they have now, which is schedule your own opponent. So some teams play tougher non-conference schedules, some play others. I want the whole schedule laid out. I want it to be a reveal like the NFL. I like college. I'm going to be honest. I like, I think there's a middle ground here, which is I like college football with 70 to 80 teams because I want college football to still be a nationwide sport. I don't want it to be the NFL minor league. Cause I will tell you this, if you make it like the NFL minor league, then you're going to make it irrelevant in about 50 years. Okay. But, but let me, let me interrupt. Cause how's minor league baseball doing right now? Well, that's, that's a whole different reason, but let me, let me argue this for just a second. Um, I, as a consumer, don't care if Tennessee plays Oregon State because they may be considered a top 70, 80 school. I do care if Tennessee plays UCLA because they're a top 38 school. That to me, see, to me, you're you're only going halfway. If you're going to do this, you got to go the whole way. If you're essentially, what you're doing is just lopping off some of the lower funded uh, college football programs in the nation. That to me is not what this is about. This is about creating a better product week in and week out from noon to midnight, every Saturday, noon to midnight, every Saturday. Rick T Terry Jewelry Design, they want to be your jeweler. That's Rick Terry Jewelry Design looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition? RickTerryJewelry.com. That's RickTerryJewelry.com. Thoughts on that, Caleb? Mm, I still disagree and think it should oh, be larger. Look, your, hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. If you crazy. make if if you make it just like the NFL, where it's like thirty two teams and it's the best product, it's just a lesser version of the NFL. Well, then it's going to fall into irrelevancy because people will say, "Why watch this when I can watch the NFL?" College football is uniquely different as a sport, and you're trying to make it. And, and I don't want it to go the NFL model. So, like, I like college football being national and hyper-regional in different ways at the same time. The regionality of college football still has some value to a certain degree. That's one of the things that does make it different. Well, I'll make, your, I'll make your argument stronger. There is, um, if, when you spread, well, wait a second. So you're telling me it's a national sport, but it really isn't. No, I mean, I want it to be nationwide, but hyper-regional where like regional rivalries matter, regional yeah. connections matter. Yeah. I just want the I just want the teams in the regions to matter. So for instance, Tennessee, Alabama is worth it. Tennessee Vanderbilt is not. That's where I met. That um, will that, that absolutely will not work because it's NASCAR. It's exactly what NASCAR did. NASCAR wanted to say hyper focused in the Southeast, 
but grow their races. So they took races away from Southern tracks and they moved them out to Fontana and they moved them out to other places, to Texas, and it killed the sport. I, I think you... I think you have to be really laser focused, just like when we do this program. We don't get on willy nilly and just take a bunch of phone calls and ramble on. We, we have a laser focus. I think your laser focus, instead of regionality in this situation, needs to be the best teams. So if you can work regionality into that, great. But I think you're trying to grow the same way NASCAR did. And I think you're going to end up uh, eroding your your strongest fan base okay look this is a totally different debate for another day because i actually want to have a debate one day as if college football should go national or not because i disagree i think nascar already was a hyper regional sport football is not a hyper regional sport college football got regional because the sec got so dominant which is a different story other altogether um let me bring up up daniel's question who had one for you and we can agree to disagree on that we can have that discussion another day but we want you to hit the like button if you're just getting on board Hit that like button. We ask you that you turn your notifications on. We had Cooper Mays drop over the weekend. Did you know? Well, if you had your notifications on, you did. Daniel says, I'm not really sure I understand. I get what you're saying, but every federal law has a similar state law. I just don't understand what part of the Tennessee law violates the federal ruling. I'm going to give you my thoughts, and then Caleb probably can provide better insight. Well, the, the states have individual laws against NIL, and there is no federal law against NIL. So the states are basically the ones left to govern it, which is S-T-U-P-I-D. That okay, makes no sense. He, here's, what, here's what is happening, uh, Daniel. There's the, the federal law is the Sherman Antitrust Act. Dave, like if, if, if Dave's business grows, Dave can't artificially collude with people, with, with me. If we grow really big and we have a bunch of employers, we can't artificially find ways to keep employees from getting paid. That would violate the antitrust act unless they collectively bargained. Right. If that's, we that's, thought. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, unless, and so um, companies that have a monopoly on something where they can't restrict pay for people, unless those people collectively bargain, that's a violation of the Sherman antitrust act, which is a federal law passed in i guess 1889 something like that okay anyways it it's basically to make sure monopolies don't have too much power and the ncaa is a monopoly this is why nil was legalized in the first place because it was found out that the ncaa restricting nil pay was a direct violation of federal law which was the antitrust act the state law is saying that nil is fine but it can't be used for recruiting what the state of tennessee is doing is they are suing the NCAA saying that uh, restricting NIL for recruiting is a violation of federal law. Well, if that's the case, you, the state of Tennessee, are in violation of federal law by passing a law that restricts NIL for recruiting. Just to give you a quick example, for instance, um, when the Civil Rights Act passed in 1964 that barred segregation, it barred states from segregating. So now if a state passes a law saying we're going to have a whites-only section and a blacks-only section, that's in direct violation of federal law because the federal government has a law that's saying you can't do that. It's very similar with this. The federal government is having a law saying you're not allowed to restrict players. You cannot restrict monopolies, can't restrict people. Monopolies can't violate the antitrust act. They have, there's a federal law. You can't violate the antitrust act. States then can't go around it and say, we're going to pass a law that requires people to violate the antitrust act. 
which is what you're, if you're saying that using NIL for recruiting purposes is a violation of the antitrust act, well, then you can't have a law in your own state that bans NIL for recruiting purposes. And that's where, that's the NCAA's argument against Tennessee. They really, really stepped in it, Tennessee, by having that law. And they had to actively pass that law. I don't know when it was passed. I found that out just on Saturday, and I haven't done my research on it. I should, but I cannot believe they passed that law. Now, the other NCAA arguments are stupid. Like one of the NCAA arguments, because the NCAA keeps saying that uh, it would create chaos. Their argument is basically this. Yeah, it's a violation of federal antitrust laws, but... um, you know, we should be able to be exempt from this because otherwise bad things will happen. Well, that's not an argument in court, right, Dave? You can't sit there and say, I should be allowed to violate federal law, otherwise bad things will happen that we don't want. You can't make that argument. Yep, not fair. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches all right, uh, guys, this is probably going to be coming up one of my last comments on Joe Milton because I just do nothing but get in trouble whenever I say the words Joe Milton. Uh, in the Senior Bowl, he threw two interceptions. He was 9 of 13, but two interceptions sure will get you beat uh, pretty quick. Uh, let's get to four downs to break down Joe Milton and his showing or lack thereof in the senior bowl four downs is brought to you by our good friends at dynasty pools and spas.com i'll tell you more about them first of all first down will he get drafted i think he will only because i think that i've covered this too often coaches can't resist the big arm it's like i don't think josh i don't think josh heupel could resist it i think i think there were red Flags galore about Ryan Leaf, who skipped a meeting in Indianapolis so they wouldn't pick him and pick Peyton Manning instead, so that because he didn't want to play in Indianapolis, he didn't care well, about. Said, Leaf, to be fair, Ryan Leaf says that was a lie. He says Bill Polian straight up lied on him when that happened. I want to be fair to Ryan Leaf on that and his side. Uh, I don't. Uh, okay, but anyway, he didn't want to go to Indianapolis. I don't believe, but nevertheless, there were red flags galore. You would agree with that. And there are red flags galore with Joe Milton. So, but all that being said, you're absolutely right. Somebody will fall in love with him and the ability. Josh Heupel just did, and that's going to happen. And then he will be drafted somewhere. Now, have you ever dated a girl that's like got massive toxicity issues, but like, man, she's so much fun. And like, you just can't resist her. She's super hot, but like, she's super toxic. But you look past the toxic traits because you're like, Darn, she's hot. Like, yeah. you know, that's Joe Milton. Yeah. That's Joe Milton's physical gifts, isn't it? Yeah. And I married her. All right. So second. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> no, no. We're solid at the hooker household. Uh, second down, where will he be drafted? You pick a round and I'm going to go over under. I think he's going to be a fifth round pick. I think he'll be a fifth okay. round pick. I will go under, which means that it would be lower how good of a player is he short term would be my question 
And again, we get that's brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. I'll tell you exactly what a team should expect out of Joe Milton in the first couple of years. DynastyPoolsAndSpas.com. Having the best spas made right here in the United States of America in your backyard. Dynasty Pools and Spas, their showroom is open in Athens right off the interstate. You can stop by and check out the best hot tubs and spas in the market. And then delivery, yes, they can do that. It's Knoxville or Chattanooga. They've got complete support spa cover and chemicals to keep your spa bubbling at its best. They also have pool chemicals as well. Dynasty Pools and Spas, amazing discounts for first responders, military, and even some blemish models that can save you a ton, and no one will ever notice. Mention Off the Hook Sports, get $500 off. Mention Off the Hook Sports, get $500 off. Dynasty Pools and Spas. Go to DynastyPoolsAndSpas.com or stop by that showroom in Athens. DynastyPoolsAndSpas.com. Dynasty Pools and Spas. So Derek says he goes undrafted. If you ask me, John says Joe will be a graduate assistant in three years. Short term. I'm talking three years and less. What can an NFL team optimistically expect out of Joe Milton? Why would they draft him thinking short term? They would fall in love with his, with his physical tools would be the first part. The second reason they would love him is this. There's other quarterbacks you talk about that red flags galore, They fell, but they fell in love with their physical tools. Joe Milton, as far as we are aware, does not have the selfish, lazy tendencies of Jamarcus Russell. You would agree with that, right? Who was just openly didn't care until he got his, after he got his money. It was just an absolute disgrace of a human. Yes, and I don't ever want to call Joe Milton that, but I wouldn't paint him as the perfect character either. But you finish your point, and I'll, uh, I'll give you that. Okay, and he doesn't have Ryan Leaf where there's just – look, I think Ryan Leaf had some mental health issues that just were not addressed. And I, 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 I want to be fair. to I don't think that's showing up with Joe Milton. Um, so I think people will fall in love with his ability, so he will – I think he'll have staying power as a backup quarterback. Matter of fact, Dylan Elam just nailed it. He's Malik Willis 2.0. Malik Willis is still on the Titans because people can't resist his athletic ability. So he'll get a couple of starts in a game in a game or two because some quarterback is hurt. He'll be terrible, but people won't be able to resist how how athletic he is. I'm, I'm going to take the under. I think that he will go later, or I guess the earlier or the later instead of the over-under. I'll take the later. Long term, Joe Milton looks back on his career and we look back at his career and we consider it a success. Well, wait, he, you didn't give your short term. You, how long does he last short term? Oh, I'm sorry. Short term. How long does he? Oh, I, well, no, you addressed it. That was third down. So you addressed I know, but what's your third down answer? Oh, uh, my third down answer is he's not in the league in three years. Oh, so okay. wow. my fourth down is pretty easy. He's not in the league in 12 years. So what's your fourth down? Because... Again, I, this is the last I'm going to talk about this. I told everyone, and I hate it when people say I told you so, but the information that we give you is solid. I knew that Joe Milton had severe limitations last year going into the season. I know he has more the same limitations. He throws two picks in the senior bowl, and he's going against better athletes in the NFL. And, Caleb, I will tell you something, too. If he doesn't hit every single receiver at Tennessee's Pro Day, or has he gotten invited to the Combine yet? I don't think so. Okay. Well, if they have a Pro Day, you're expected to hit everyone. I'm not talking about 99 out of 100. When you're running against air, you should dime it on every one of them. 
I will predict in the, the, the pro day that they have, there will be four or five incomplete passes, and that will pretty much submarine any opportunity he had to even get drafted. And then if you don't have an opportunity to get drafted, you don't have an opportunity to, to play in the NFL. I don't think he's going to do well in the pro day. I don't either. I don't either. Uh, here's what I think is going to happen for Joe Milton. One, guys, quick story on Joe Milton. Joe Milton was interested in baseball, and his high school coach told him he'd be better off choosing football. He should He should have so much pettiness and vindictive nature towards his high school coach forever. His high school coach sabotaged his future because he would have been a great closing pitcher in Major League Baseball. Um, yeah, yeah. But, no, and, and I want to get back to – not to change the flow too much, but one of the things I want to say, I'm not attacking Joe Milton's character, okay? I think he's a good dude. I think he's the kind of guy that, hey, you can date my daughter. That's fine. But I, I do think, though, that there's a laissez-faire sort of attitude with him that frustrated some of his teammates. Um, I think that while he was professional, the intensity that a Hendon Hooker has, the intensity that a Peyton Manning has, I don't think he had that. So let's lump that in together with his ability as a con uh, of pros and cons, because I mean, again, I go back to the citrus bowl. Why didn't you let everybody know earlier that you were not going to play? So I think as we found out, it sounds like he was forced not to play. It sounds like he wanted to play. Right. I don't think he's a bad character guy. Don't get me wrong. I think you can make up, you can have 40 guys like him, on your roster, but I think at the quarterback position, you need a tried and true leader. Thank you, me drinker. Milton never showed some fire. Absolutely. And I thought that the players only meeting that they had early in the season that was led by him was to say, no, I really am a leader. He that doth protest too much. So if I tell you I'm great, I tell you I'm great, Caleb, it probably means I ain't that great. Let's be fair because you maybe I think it I think it magnifies because of all of his limitations on the field, but Dave, I sometimes I think people mistake laissez-faire for lack of intensity because isn't that what Casey got flack for when he was at Tennessee? People Which thought, the, but but you but people didn't know him. I knew him. I can tell you that is exactly wrong. I mean, he other than the weight room, he was all about it. He was all in on ball. I will argue that till the day I die. That's what I mean. We, we're, are we sure Joe Milton's not all in on ball and just doesn't and just gives off the vibe that he's not? You know what I mean? Because yeah, I'm hmm. pretty confident based off some people I've talked to. Okay, because like there is the um, <laughs> I mean things may have changed. Because here's the thing: the intensity you talk about, like some people like to see that, like they want to see the co- they want to see the quarterback coming down on players. Which look, you remember Peyton Manning went came really hard down on players who messed up, didn't he? Like yes. was really hard on them, yep. and. But, you know, maybe Joe Milton's just like, I'll, you know, I'll, uh, he's, he's got the former thing. I'll give you a clap and, you know, we'll get it next time. And he's kind of got that type of leadership. I'm not saying that's a good thing, Listen, but. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. What you're talking about are two different dynamics. A coaching dynamic, you want to be positive. I've, I've read some leadership books. Um, hopefully it helps out with uh, you, Caleb, too. Um, but I, I've read some leadership books. You want to support when things are going bad if you're the coach. But if you're the quarterback, maybe support. But that's also a time to get in somebody's face and say, listen, run the right route. 
That's when you're accountable. That's when the best teams are at their best is when their players hold each other accountable. So the Fulmer clapping thing, what are you supposed to do after a guy just throws an interception shooting? I mean, I, I don't I don't know that there's a retort to that. But but T. Martin had the Fulmer clapping thing from my understanding. You covered that team. T. Martin never really came down on players, did he? Okay. That's interesting. I think that T. Martin was more intense than Joe Milton and more intense than he gets credit for. But was he a step back in the intensity level from Peyton Manning? I don't think there's any question about that. Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Dynasty Pools and Spas has the best chemicals. No filters, fillers. They're right there at DynastyPoolsAndSpas.com. Amazing discounts for first responders, military, and even some blemish bottles that can save you a ton. They deliver with everything you need. The steps, the cover, the whole nine yards. That's Dynasty Pools and Spas. DynastyPoolsAndSpas.com. Mention Off the Hook Sports, and you will get $500 off of your next spa. Coming up on the program, we've got some uh, Tennessee basketball. I've been on fire with my picks lately. And why the Alabama coaching hire is just looking more and more like one mega fiasco after another. Here we go. Stay tuned. Two minutes. Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, Off the Hook Sports. Sand and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee Vol collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co.? What's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStarHatsCo is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. So we can read too much into a lot of things, can't we, Caleb? Um, but when Michael Penix just turned his shoulder on Kalen DeBoer, the new Alabama coach, and Penix had been his quarterback at Washington, it felt very serious. Like he wanted to, to show... Kalen DeBoer that he wasn't happy that he left Washington. I ask you this first, and then we're going to get into the fact that it, apparently the uh, University of Alabama did contact Clemson, so this wasn't just a snap your fingers, we got our coach sort of thing. But let me start with Kalen DeBoer. Given 
he did not know what he was stepping into replacing a legend in the transfer portal, right? Nobody could have guessed how severe it would be or how insignificant it would be. As it turns out, it's been pretty severe. So let me ask you this before we get to the Dabo Sweeney news, which I find, if I'm an Alabama fan, very disturbing. Did Caleb DeBoer make a huge mistake? Do you think he thinks in his heart of hearts, I just screwed up? Because he is having trouble keeping his class together, his roster together. Now Michael Penix seems to hate him. Um, I know coaches are mercenaries, but this seems like a move that he's going to regret five years from now. I truly believe that. Five years, he won't be Alabama's head coach, and he'll regret it. So I want to be fair with the Penix thing real quick, because some people are saying that it was kind of a uh, DeBoer was in there for a pick and then moved out because Penix and Womack were close and they were going to pick together. So it could go either way. Now, I here's where I think DeBoer made a mistake. I do think he made a mistake. Dave and I talk all the time about program success versus tiers of jobs. And you and I both know, Dave, the success of a program doesn't necessarily trans the tier of a job doesn't necessarily translate to how successful a program is. That's that's fair to say, right? Like yes. Texas A&M, yeah, Texas A&M is a top 10 job. It's not a top 25 program of all time, but it's a top 10 job. Alabama is a school that is massively overachieved relative to the quality of job it is. It's not as good of a job as Georgia, LSU, or Ohio State. May not be as good of a job as Florida or Texas or Miami or um, even AM. I mean, we're talking a little bit further down. And that's pre-NIL, by the way. I'm talking pre-NIL era. Post-NIL era, Alabama's not a top 15 job. Nick Saban notwithstanding, it's not a top 15 job. Okay, and Alabama fans can come at me for that. But the uh, lack of NIL funding combined with the recruiting base you're in, Alabama's not bad, but it's not, you're competing with Auburn and you still have, and Georgia's better and Florida's better and Louisiana's better and Texas is better. So already Alabama has some things that are really working against it. I think Kalen DeBoer saw Alabama as a tier one job because of the success Nick Saban had there. And I think you and I both agree that success was so much more about Nick Saban than it was Alabama. I agree. I I agree. I do think it's a tier one job. So we'll differ on that. But yes, I don't think it was just going to step in and things continue. And this is a young coach. Ed Orgeron could not win a national championship at Alabama. Let's put it that way. Okay. That's fair. If you want to say like Ohio State and LSU because of in-state talent and the allegiance they're in, if you want to take like an upper level of elite, I can roll with that. All you need is a mascot if coach is there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to me, elite, that was top 10 or 15. I would have them in there. Nevertheless, um, the fact that they reached out to Dabo Sweeney and the athletic director admits that, and he did, uh, just flatly blows me away. I would say I'm not going to comment on other guys. To me, this is a cover your rear. He said the discussions were brief. Um, this is we tried to get Dabo Sweeney the same way Georgia went all in with Kirby Smart when South Carolina was making a run at him because you didn't want to look stupid and not make that phone call. And let's say Dabo Sweeney resurrects Clemson and they win another national championship, which we don't think is going to happen. But if if it were to happen, you'd be like, why not the Dabo guy? He's got Tennessee ties. I thought the fact that they reached out to Dabo really undermines my theory 
that they handled that coaching search almost perfectly because it was bam, bam, got their guy in 48 hours. And that I've got respect for. And as the Tennessee fans out there should too, because it's been the absolute opposite. So with Kalen DeBoer, is is he going to have success? That's debatable. Dabo Sweeney would have at least held the class together because of his Tennessee ties. And he's a likable fellow. This is one of those times where you could use a player's coach. He would have done a better job in the short term. I don't know about long term, but he would have done a better uh, job in the short term. You mean Alabama ties, right? Not Tennessee ties. Is what oh, yes, would have held the class together. Excuse me, excuse no, no. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's exactly why you said Tennessee should have just hired Kippy Brown in 2010, right? He would have held the Kiffin class together um, during that time. And if it doesn't work, and that's, by the way, remember when Ohio State hired Luke Fickle after Jim Trestle? They just wanted to keep the class together, and then they went and got Urban Meyer. And so I agree with you. Sometimes transition hires are fine. Dabo wouldn't have been a transition hire. He would have worked out. I think well, your first point is the transition to retirement. I mean, that would be his one move that he would make. I agree. I think your first point is the most accurate. And I debated with myself in my head for this for a while. Like, did they go after Dabo and Dabo turned it down? I don't think that's the case. Listen, Caleb, Caleb loves debating so much. He does it in his own head. He's a master debater. Go ahead. Caleb. <laughs> I actually debate myself a lot, guys. And I have changed my opinions by, de- I'm not kidding you guys on this. I've changed my opinions on things by debating myself in my head. Um, so well, we don't want to get into your head. So, um, but well, what I was, you said I made a good point. What was that all about? This was a cover your rear move by the, by the athletic director. And yeah. he, here's why I'm playing this out of my head. I said about two years ago, I said, if Dabo Sweeney were offered the Alabama job, he wouldn't take it because like, Dave, let's be honest. You got a sweet gig at Clemson, right? You get to beat up on the mediocre ACC, recruit top talent, and go to the playoff every year. Wasn't, wasn't, isn't that, that's a heck of a gig, right? That's a pretty good gig. Yeah. But now it's different with this. And this goes back to our first topic of the day. The SEC Big Ten Alliance, if you're Dabo, if you're Mike Norvell, you need to get into an SEC school, right? You know, you're pro, you know, you're at a program that's stuck falling behind if they can't get out of the ACC agreement, right? Yes. So thinking that, I'm like, maybe Dabo would have taken the job now, even if he wouldn't have two years ago. So now I'm like, the only logical explanation is that this offer wasn't really on the table. You're right. This is a just-in-case moment. This is a just-in-case two years down the road, if Kalen DeBoer flames out and Dabo Swinney goes and wins another national title, the athletic director to save his own skin, to make another hire in the future and not get fired by Alabama for making a bad football hire, because as we know, everything's about the football hire. He can be like, I did reach out to Dabo. He didn't want the job. That's where this is headed. No, you're you're right. You guys are having some fun, uh, some fun with the master debater. Um, um, the um, yes, I really do. master debate myself about about Michael Penix. <laughs> That's more than we needed to know. But yes, <laughs> we 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 uh, debate with our friends uh, each and every weekday at ten a.m. <laughs> so was the how did the phone call play out? Was it? Let's put it, I think it was John Gruden-esque. I think that Tennessee made a call to John Gruden's people, okay? But I think that Tennessee never really thought they could get John Gruden. I don't think that's the case with Alabama. And to Dabo Sweeney's credit, 
he told them quickly that he that he wasn't going to be the guy. Or did they say, we're not sure you're the guy because we had a brief conversation. Either way, I think this was from the get, even going back five, 10 years ago when it was the natural succession, I believe firmly that it was um, it was all about making sure you cover your rear. That's why you reach out to Dabo Sweeney. Do you think it's possible? Maybe they just made a really, really, really bad offer so they could say they offered and he rejected? I think it's totally possible. I think I think Tennessee, I think Tennessee flirted with John Gruden like that. I don't think they were ever going to get close to the 10 million, which is approachable now, but it wasn't back then. Um, you're making I think 2017 they would have because everything I'd heard was the boosters were so tired of losing, they were willing to open the checkbook for Gruden in 2017, but 2012 they weren't. Okay, I'll I'll give you that. Um in 2017, but he was never going to come in the first place. He didn't had he had no uh hopes and dreams of of, of coming back to college football. Trust me, he wanted to go to the NFL. Boy, that would have been a big, huge mess. It's never a mess at Sports Treasures. I get to go down there today. Uh, I got a friend in town, so I wanted to have them check it out because it's cool. Uh, it's in North Knoxville, carrying over 5 million Sports Treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia, facebook.com, facebook.com. Go to Sports Treasures TN, that's Sports Treasures TN. Check them out. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So do you think ultimately that, and you can phrase it however you want to, Caleb, because it's either, you know, I can come to you and say, hey, Caleb, would you like to work for $5 an hour? Well, I'm insulting you by that offer. So I'm basically just covering my bases and saying that I offered you. Do you think it was that? Or do you think Dabo Sweeney said, nah, I'm good. Because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I think it was the latter. I think he knew enough and he hates transfer portal enough where he could show up there. And although I think he'd do a better job than DeBoer of retaining talent that they have, still there's going to be a massive turnover. And I think he knew that. And I don't think he wanted any part of that. I think that's possible. I'm still I still Dabo, the- I actually think Dabo's smarter than most people think. Oh, no, Dabo's very smart. Dabo's very smart. You know, Dabo was actually ahead of the curve with the transfer portal where, remember one of the things Dabo did that helped him recruit well, which was his promise to players that if you don't make it here and you want to transfer, he was the first to be out in the head of the curve. Remember, he would never block a player from transferring where they wanted to go. Yep. And he would say, I'll help you find the best place for you. I'm going to say this about Dabo. And I think you and I both disagree with him fundamentally about NIL, right? And things like that. Yes. But do you, I think we both agree. Dabo was very principled, didn't he? Yes. As a human. Yes. Yeah, he's and I think Dabo, look, I think a part of Dabo is this. He's very much against the transfer portal. He does it two ways. He says, I don't like it, and therefore I'm not going to force my own players into the transfer portal. Whereas you know, Dave, every other school in the country, Josh Heupel nudges players into the transfer portal so he can make room. I mean, he does. Dabo says, I'm against this, so I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do it myself to my own detriment. 
I think Dabo genuinely has this idea of I made a commitment to these players in Clemson. I shouldn't leave them. And so I'm going to say, I think he's that type of a good guy. You That is only one of five coaches I would think that about. And this just in, I think Josh Heupel is actually one of those guys too. I think it would weigh on him heavily if the Dallas Cowboys came calling after they shot Mike McCarthy in the knee. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 think he, I think it would bother him. I really do. I think it would make his decision much harder. Whereas Lane Kiffin said, well, what area code's that? Oh, it's LA? I better take this call. You step off. Um, so I want you to take part in our poll question. It is up right now on our YouTube page. A mega conference is what? Awesome. Still ball. Into the sport. You would take Caleb? Still ball. I'm taking awesome. I, but I want it to be my way. I, I know it's different than yours. I want it to be 32, 38 teams. They play each other. They don't play anybody else. Boom. Bingo, bango. You're done. It's clean. It's easy. And you see great matchups every week. Now that does mean a nine and three season might get you in a playoff. So the regular well, season that's happening is, anyway with the twelve team playoff. That's that's yeah, that's that ship has sailed. Well, but it's but this could just enhance it, I would think. But big picture, yes, you're you're going to have to get the regular season is not completely minimized. If you lose three games, you're probably not going to make the playoff, right? If you lose two games, depending on who's ahead of you in your conference, you might not make the playoff. But getting back to the Dabo Sweeney thing, um, I know Alabama fans are trying to get behind this DeBoer hire, but they didn't know who he was 12 months ago, right? And I'm just curious if an Alabama fan looked themselves honestly in the mirror, and said, man, I need to see the dentist. No, said, would I rather have Dabo Sweeney or Kalen DeBoer? <laughs> you can laugh if you want. Who would that Who would that be? I, it's not close, right? No, I actually think right now Alabama fans would have rather said Kalen DeBoer because, look, prisoner of the no moment. Way. Wait, hear me out, hear me out, hear me no, out. No, 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 let me finish. They say that now? Because he's their guy, just like no fans said that about Butch Jones. If Dabo Sweeney had come in, it would have felt just like you're losing. Who replaced Alexander the Great? I don't know. <laughs> okay, but he was at least Bob the Good. Okay, so that would be a feeling of Bob the Good is coming in. Dabo the Good. Right now, you've got Caleb the Dull. Kalen the Dull, not Caleb Dave. the Dull. So I I just Dave, I think wait, Dabo wait, no, been I'm, much- I'm pushing back on this totally okay. because look I think I'm not so sure Kalen DeBoer is a bad coach I talk about the infrastructure of Alabama Dabo is definitely more accomplished but the college football is a what have you done for me lately sport you don't think you saw Kalen DeBoer last year you saw Dabo Swinney Dabo Swinney's profile is down Dave when Philip Fulmer was fired by Tennessee you know he was on you know he tried to shop himself for head coaching jobs right. And I'm sure you know that better than I do. Uh, yeah, there's one job in particular that he wanted that didn't come open. I can't remember what it, it was. It's the one that went to Dabo Swinney. Clemson? It was the Clemson job. Okay, well, he was never in line for Clemson. I thought he I thought he might get the Louisville job at one point. But here's the thing. they Now, Philip Fulmer, like Dabo, was more accomplished than a lot of these coaches that got the jobs. But people thought these coaches were better because they felt the game had passed Fulmer by. I think a lot of the perception of Dabo, Dave, is that the game has passed him by. You're saying they would rather have Dabo because of his accomplishments, but he hadn't been that accomplished lately. 
Okay. And so it's, it, I think Kalen DeBoer recently has been more accomplished than Dabo. Now, I think Dabo is, I think Dabo is headed for a renaissance because I think Dabo has actually finally accepted the transfer portal and is going to play ball now. And I think not playing ball really held him back for and a while. Playing in the while. ACC and playing in the ACC helps you stack wins. Exactly. Playing in the ACC helps you stack wins. So I think he's, you know, Florida State just went undefeated because they relied on the transfer portal. I think Davos kind of figured it out. He's like, he doesn't want to, but he's going to accept it. Um, similar to Nick Saban with the spread, with the uh, up-tempo offenses. Okay. So I think because of that, Dabo is going to have a renaissance. But right now, I think most colleges would hire Kalen DeBoer over Dabo Swinney right now. I do. Okay, I think that's pure insanity. The guy was I'm not the saying Indi- they'd be right. No, the guy was the Indiana head coach four years ago, for the love of goodness gracious. Uh, no, he was their offensive coordinator. not the Offensive coach. coordinator, sorry. Um, yeah, he wasn't. Everybody uh, loves the new guy, though. Everybody loves the new guy that hasn't. It's like in politics. Everybody loves the fresh guy that doesn't have the scandals in his back pocket because he hasn't been in there for a long time. The young, fresh guy is always exciting because you haven't seen as many failures from him. Fear the man who wins the press conference. What have I told you before? Fear the good-looking football coach. They win press conferences. Maybe Kalen DeBoer did with his good-looking offense. But as far as a foundation and keeping it intact, if it is possible in NIL, we don't know. This has never happened that a legend is retired at this point. So it may be impossible to keep a program together at a high level after a guy like Nick Saban leaves. We'll only probably see it once in our lifetime, maybe with Kirby Smart one day. But if it was possible, it was Dabo Sweeney and you'd be competing for championships for the next two or three years. Uh, that That is the move you should have made. That is the move you should have gone after. And the athletic director saying that he couldn't get it done and had a brief conversation. Uh, it's just completely weak to me. Absolutely weak. And it feels like to me that a bunch of boosters rang his number, Caleb, and said, you made this hire so fast. And Caleb Boer, it was like 48 hours. Did you call Dabo? I'm just curious. Because it would have been nice. I think there's several boosters that remember this too, Caleb. There are a lot of big-time boosters that know who the head coach is, maybe a couple of the other coaches, the star players, and they're big-time boosters, but they don't know who the head coach at Washington is. That has no name relevance to them. When they hear Dabo Sweeney, they know who that is because of the ties and the success, but they don't have anything from Kalen DeBoer. So I would argue that he didn't really win the press conference. He kind of won it. Alabama fans are so rabid they're supporting him no matter what. Dabo Sweeney would have kept the thing together for two or three years, and they – I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, let me ask you this. You have to choose one of two. Dabo Sweeney would have won a national championship at the University of Alabama within five years had he been the head coach, or Kalen DeBoer will ever win a national championship at Alabama. So I'm giving you forever. I'm taking five years, and I'll take Dabo wins a national championship in five years at Alabama. Oh, I I will take Dabo too. I'm with you. Dabo wins it. But Kalen DeBoer was the hotter commodity this offseason. He was because he got Washington to the national title game. So I'm taking Dabo too, like in a heartbeat. But also, Dave, look, theoretically on paper, Kalen DeBoer is more accomplished than Josh Heupel. I think you and I would both take Heupel over Dabo Swinney. I think if Dabo Swinney called Tennessee tomorrow and said, I want the job, you don't fire Heupel. You stick with with Heupel still. Yeah, that's one of my rare ones. I, I mean, how many are there out there like that? I would stay with Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I would... 
<clears throat> pardon me, I would stay with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss over Dabo Sweeney, but there's only about eight or ten where you would turn down a national championship winning coach. I uh, want you to vote on our poll on YouTube, and that is a mega conference is blank. Awesome. Still ball into the sport. The show represented by Banks and Jones. And Banks and Jones is your attorney to call banksandjones.com for criminal defense or personal injury. Banks and Jones. Dot com and Dave made a pretty good pick on some Tennessee basketball over the week. I don't know if you saw my. Did you see my Twitter? Have you seen my new avatar? By the way, I need to okay, see. Well, new okay, We're, not only, not only if if you're on the Twitter, hit the like button and uh, tell me what you think of my new avatar because we're gonna pull that up and share it with you that I displayed right before my incredible pick uh, with the Tennessee Kentucky game. Here's what I said before the game. I said Dalton Connect has a big night, but a 10-point win. In turn, Kentucky wanted to go after Dalton Connect, and other players made up the difference. And John Calipari skipping press conferences. Why not? Yeah, seems pretty reasonable to me. How about in two minutes we talk Tennessee basketball? This is an Elite Eight or Final Four team off the sports. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment with a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. Tennessee beats Kentucky if the balls don't make an at least an Elite Eight. It is a letdown. Ted asked that question. He says so he thinks that's the case, and I'm going to agree with him. Um, I think this has to be an elite eight team, but let's live in the moment. Let's look back at what Tennessee did against Kentucky. What stood out about that win to you? To me, it was Dalton Connect not on an elite night. They handled him well. They got him rest so he could score when they needed him to. 
It was a very efficient night because Kentucky wanted to shut him down. I thought that was pretty obvious. Caleb, I thought that um, that's exactly what Dalton Connect's supposed to do. He's supposed to bring you points when you need it, but if he can't, somebody else should be open. I just think it's a, another step in the right direction, and, and this is a really good basketball team. I was having this discussion over the weekend with somebody that's older than me. He's probably uh, 60, 65, so he remembers the Ernie and Bernie days. And I said, best Tennessee basketball team since dot, dot, dot. And he said, yes. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a question. And he goes, I think this is the best ever if they can get some of this inconsistency out, which is still plaguing them. And I tend to, I'm not going to pretend to know the Ernie and Bernie days, but there is at least, I think we can say the potential that they could be better because they're deeper than the Ernie and Bernie days. Is that fair? I think I disagree. I think their depth is their problem. And um, this is the best Tennessee basketball team, by the way, since 0708. 0708's is the best basketball team in Tennessee history with uh, Chris Lawton, Jawan Smith, Tyler Smith, all those guys. Um, I want to give some credit first before I go into the negatives. One, it seemed like all of the negatives, all of the slumps that Josiah Jordan James had been facing for like a month, just all like... It all, he made up for it all in one night, didn't he? He looks like, look like an NBA player. Like, if you just tuned in, you're like, is this guy going in the top 10? Yeah, exactly. And then the rest of the time, he plays horrible on offense, but Barnes keeps him in because he's so valuable defensively. So he went off. Santi Viscovi is clearly back. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Santi Viscovi is consistently getting his 10 to 12 points for a couple of threes a game. Zakai Ziegler. Here was Calipari's bet over the weekend, and this was a big one. Calipari was like, Sakai Ziegler plays reckless. He's undersized. I got three first-round draft picks in my backcourt. If I take Dalton Connect out of the game, Sakai Ziegler with my first-round draft picks at guard can't do anything. That was his bet, wasn't it? That was his gamble. Yep. And Ziegler, he looked like the first-round draft pick on the court at guard over the weekend. None of Kentucky's guards did. And, I mean, 26 points, 13 assists. You got to give him all the credit in the world. Adu finally stepped back up, got 11 and 11. Here's the problem. Again, every starter played more than 28 minutes. Three of them played 30 minutes or more. Nobody off the bench played well. Toby Awaka was in and had four fouls. Barton still wouldn't put J.P. Estrella in. He barely touched Cameron Carr. Freddie DeLeon is still not seeing action. Tennessee, and Ron Slade talked about this last week. You can get excited about a Kentucky win because they're good enough to do that with their starters, but they go seven and a half deep. And that's a big, big, big problem in March. Because again, that's what gets you bounced out early. You got the set, you know, you play a Thursday night and then you play a Saturday night. And the Saturday nights when you run into a red hot shooting team and your legs are sore from playing on Thursday, and maybe you went deep in the conference tournament and played until Sunday in the conference tournament. So you played Sunday, Thursday, and then Saturday, and the other teams had a week and a half off, and they just have a red hot night and you don't have the energy to keep up. That's what Tennessee's in danger of right now. And it was fine that Barnes did all relied on all his starters for um, Kentucky. But Dave, I'm going to say something that he needs to do. I think Tennessee's probably at this point a lock for the NCAA tournament, no matter what happens at this point, right? They've clinched it, no matter how badly they stumble down the stretch. Yes. By I the think- way, somebody says best ever, and I don't think it's that close talking about the team. Can we get a column out of you comparing the 07, 08 team to this one? I would love to read that because I, I covered that team, and I actually think this one's better but i would love to read your column because yeah i'll do it 
this one has better starters. That team was deeper though. And here was, here's where I'm, and that's what I'm, yeah, the problem is their depth. And here's the issue. Dave Barnes should sacrifice some losses to get other guys, to get some backups, more minutes over the next month. He's got to develop some backups and get his starter some rest. He has to. And if that means losing a few more SEC games, so be it. Because you, you can't go into the tournament seven and a half deep. You just can't. You're not going to win a championship that way. And so, I mean, I don't care. I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tell you guys. I don't care about seeding. I think seeding is stupid. It's. I. I don't care if you get a nine seed or a three seed or a thirteen seed. Whatever. You still. It's more. It's more off geography nowadays than it is actual what you accomplished. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't really care what the seed is. I think Tennessee at with their starters is good enough to beat anybody. So it doesn't matter what their seed is. I don't even care if they're playing a one seed in the second round. The depth is what matters. And the depth is a big, big issue right now. It cost them against South Carolina. And the only reason it didn't cost them against Kentucky is because Calipari had the exact opposite strategy that Lamont Paris had Tuesday night. I don't know why he didn't just copy what Lamont Paris did to, uh, which was Lamont Paris's strategy was let Dalton connect score. And if you take the other players out, they can't do anything. Calipari's was take Dalton connect out and the other players can't do anything. And he was just dead wrong. You can't go far at seven and a half deep. I've covered too many teams in the NCAA tournament that had great teams, but they went seven or eight deep and they were bounced out the first weekend. It's a big problem in March. And it was, again, you can, it'll help. You'll celebrate a nice little regular season win against a top 10 team when you go, when you only go seven and eight deep, but you won't be celebrating any run in March when you do that. So it appears, that the, it appears as if the message board primarily agrees with you, but we did have one post saying that Tennessee is plenty deep enough. Other teams don't play 10 players consistency consistently. Um, your take. That's right. But they usually do play nine and other teams. Usually their best players. They don't have anybody. They may have one player average more than 25 minutes a game. Tennessee's got four. No, all five of Tennessee starters are averaging about 27 minutes a game and three are averaging 30 minutes a game. So Tennessee, this is a big problem. Now, look, I've talked with Dave on this. It is true when you get to the postseason, and this is very true in the NBA, you shorten the rotation, right? You do yes. shorten the rotation in the postseason. Mm -hmm. The depth is not for having players who can step up in the postseason. The depth is just so you your guys in the regular season can get rest so they'll be fresh in the postseason when you do shorten the rotation. And Tennessee, I'm at this point, I'm just going to be honest, this would be so, so toxic, and it would people would hate it with college basketball. I would do load management if I were Rick Barnes right now. I would absolutely do load management. And I would be like, you don't care about the seating that much because you would be giving up to, if you did load management and you're basically saying it's okay to lose a game or two here or there because of load. That's what you're saying, right? It's not okay, but it could be a byproduct, right? Right. It could be a byproduct. Okay. I, I, I like seating a little more than you do. I think so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but I see the argument. I would say this. I think the worst case scenario for for Tennessee is Tennessee makes the tournament. Tennessee's a one or two seed. Tennessee wins the first game fairly easily because they're just outmatching the other one. And then because they get to rest their guys, they feel fantastic for that uh, next game, the round of 32. They make it to the Sweet 16, 
And then they get in the Sweet 16 and maybe win a game. But that second game of that weekend, whether or not that's on a Saturday or Sunday, that's where it gets scary to me. Now, that would have you in the Elite Eight, so that's not bad. But that's when the depth or lack thereof would show up in that particular weekend. I've seen it happen before. And I believe that uh, I believe at that point, Rick Barnes would think long and hard to, about retirement. And I w- wanted to dig into that for a second. It's brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT. That's HAT to receive some free swag with your cider order. Available most anywhere in the U.S. TNCiderCompany.com. TNCiderCompany.com. Would he consider retirement if Tennessee made the Elite Eight? Is that enough of a final exclamation point on your career, even though we know the postseason record has not been good? But let's say Elite Eight. Does Rick Barnes retire? And is Tennessee better off if Rick Barnes retires? I'm not going to say better off because I think this is going to be a very un- unpopular opinion. I don't think Tennessee needs to take the Doug Dickey approach to basketball because there is clearly financial value to being relevant, but they can take the approach to basketball of if we're just in the NCAA tournament conversation every year, it's fine because we're going to get people showing up for the games. I mean, that, that that's the truth, isn't it, Dave? Like, yeah. I mean, it's, and so I think that's the approach they have. I think it's the right approach and you don't know, who you're going to get. Look, it's, you never know who you're going to get. If you replace a coach like Rick Barnes. Now, if you're Duke, you, you move on from Rick Barnes, right? If you're North Carolina, you're ready for him to retire. But if you're Tennessee, you're just like, you know what? We like being this perpetual regular NCAA contender. It's good finance. It's a good supplement for what really matters, which is the football program. And that's that. And a lot of people don't want to hear that, but football's more than the engine that drives the train. That's what Fulmer once said about the Fulmer, the football for the athletics problem. It's more than it's the engine, it's the tires, it's the battery. Like, how much of a car, Dave, if your athletic department is the car, how much of the car is football? <laughs> uh it's it's the engine and it's the body. So maybe basketball is the, the turn signal. <laughs> A little more than the turn signal. It's 10% of the car, if you want to look at it budgetarily for Tennessee. Uh, SC Scout guy had an interesting point. He said, I don't think they're better off. Who are they going to get that is better? It isn't like Tennessee is a power destination job. I may think it's a little bit better of a job than you. It's not a blue blood job, SC Scout guy agreed. It's not a Duke or Kentucky or Kansas where you just call up somebody to pick up the phone. But I think it's a pretty good job. And I drove by the Pratt Pavilion uh, over the weekend, and I just I'm amazed by the amount of support that they have, and you have the Pat Summit thing, which is awe inspiring. So, I, I I don't think it's a destination elite job, but I think it's a very very good job. So, I tell you this, uh, God rest his soul. If Mike Hamilton were the athletic director right now, then Tennessee would be better off if Rick Barnes retired after the season. I say that because Mike Hamilton was really, really tied into basketball. Now, we could argue whether or not he was tied into football because he didn't know Lane Kiffin would bolt. But with basketball, Donnie Tyndall was a good hire from an X's and O's standpoint. Right, Caleb? Oh, that, was Dave, that was Dave Hart's hire. Dave or Dave Hart, Hart made the hire. Sorry. Uh, well, let me go back then. Uh, Bruce Pearl, though. He found Bruce, Bruce Pearl. Pearl. Bruce Pearl is phenomenal. 
Um, did we, any of us know who Bruce Pearl was before he was hired as, as Tennessee's head coach? No, Barely. he had had one sweet he had had one sweet sixteen run, but you usually don't hire based on that. And Mike Hamilton had dug in and done his research. There were a lot of more high profile coaches, most notably Bobby Knight. I think a lot of people wanted Mike Hamilton to open the checkbook for Bobby Knight to go to Tennessee. I do and... remember that. I do remember that. I will. I'll go ahead and tell you this, guys. This is a fact. I could make five phone calls when it comes to a young college football coach. Not, I'm not as tied in at, to basketball, obviously, because of our audience. I could make five phone calls with educated questions, and I could be Tennessee's search committee for a football coach and find the best young coach or the best guy to step in if Josh Heifel did anything. I don't think that's as easy in basketball, but I think it's doable. What type of – let me ask you this, Caleb. What type of coach do you think they could get if he decided to retire. It's brought to you by Apex Apparel Group Design, Brand, Market. They've got it all, giveaways. They also have uniforms needed for your business, spirit wear for a school or group need. I tell you what, do me a favor, support our sponsors. Call Tyler, 865-919-3001, 865-919-3001, or you can go to yourapexapparel.com, yourapexapparel.com. Caleb, what type of coach could Tennessee go get? An elite coach, a good coach, or an eh? I think Tennessee could get any coach they wanted right now. Say for like the Bill Self of Kansas. Okay, I get Bill Self's not leaving Kansas, but you get my my drift, right? I think. Yeah, uh, or or share at Duke because of the tie. Right, exactly. But I think by and large, they could get any coach they wanted. I'm going to tell you why it's an underrated job. When Kevin O'Neill bolted, in 97 people said that he complained about women's basketball being the forefront that wasn't the case the case was and you know this dave doug dickey wasn't supporting the basketball program the way they needed well, to i can tell you, i can tell you exactly how he wasn't supporting because that was the old um prop 48 days do you remember that prop 48 is when you barely qualified okay so you were allowed to practice for that year but it was a mandated red shirt year well Tennessee had a football player, a defensive tackle, that he went from Prop 48 to full-time player his freshman year. And Tennessee basketball had a guy named Isaiah Victor who did not. And that stuck in Kevin O'Neill's crawl, and that's why he up and out it. That's that's exactly why he left the way he did. Brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Real estate experts with over four decades of combined experience in East Tennessee, Best prices, best service in the Knoxville area. Andy Mason Real Estate.com. Andy Mason Real Estate.com. I think Tennessee could hire an elite coach. I yes. It, look, I'm going to tell you guys because here's there's a here's how you should look at a job. It's it's three things for a coach. One, how easy is it to win it win there? That matters, right? How what's how easy is it to win? Two is the expectation level. Three is the money. Now, Tennessee is as easy of a place to win as any place in the country, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it, it's as easy. Yeah. Tennessee can pay as much as any program in the country can right now in basketball, can't they? You would think. And number three, the expectations are not going to be what they are at Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, UCLA. They're not going to have those expectations. So you actually get a top-tier job Without top-tier expectations. That's a dream scenario type of job, isn't it, for a head coach? And Pretty good point. Pretty yeah, it, it's the – And yeah, can, you the imagine, can you imagine most coaches – I mean, 
Bruce Pearl helped the Pratt Pavilion. For those that don't know, that's their workout facility. That's basically like a mini high school gym. I mean, it's fantastic. But Pearl helped get that built. But can you imagine Pearl showing up from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and seeing those type of facilities? I mean, that we've, we've said there's not a difference in elite football facilities, and I think that's primarily true. But there is a difference between a lower-level job in the NCAA in basketball and what Tennessee has to offer, period, end of discussion, right? Yes, the only school that actually beats – and there is a facilities difference in basketball. You are right about that. And the only one that's better than Tennessee in the SEC is Kentucky. I've seen Kentucky. Oh, my gosh. Their basketball infrastructure is amazing there. Like, that's that's half the reason Calipari gets the five stars, isn't it? Is because they're – I mean, their facilities are incredible. Tennessee's right up there, though. And I'm telling you guys, it's a great job because of it. And it's also – I want to go back because I want to defend – because people are going to call you out, Dave and I'm going to address it before they do call you out. People are going to go at Mike Hamilton for the Conzo Martin hire in 2011. Dave, he didn't have any options in 2011, did he? There was nobody he could hire to take that job, was there? In Wait a second. I don't think Conzo was a bad hire. He was a Missouri State coach who had never made the NCAA tournament. Like, the resume wasn't what they – But the resume is not – they could get a much more splash hire today than they could back in 2011, couldn't they? Well, and yeah, but the circumstances say, Bruce Pearl left Tennessee in. Yeah, but you say resume. I mean, to me, Bruce Pearl had a flat resume, but he produced. So it's not it's resume walking in the door. But ultimately, yeah, Bruce Pearl's did. resume was pretty elite. He was the second fastest coach to three to four hundred wins behind Roy Williams before he was hired by Mike Hamilton. But he hadn't done anything at a big school. You wouldn't consider him a big name hire. He had done more at Wisconsin, Milwaukee than Conzo did at Missouri State. He did significantly more. I mean, he made two NCAA tournaments. He'd won three regular season conference titles. He had gone to the Sweet 16. And the, 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 I didn't, Conzo was the best hire Mike could have made. And also, the one thing you can maybe knock is this. I will say you could have knocked Mike Hamilton for this. He should have hired Rick Bird from Belmont. He should have hired Rick Bird yeah. right then and there. And that was ridiculous that he didn't. Rick Bird would have taken the ten. That's the only place he would have left Belmont for. That's the best small level coach in college basketball history, quite honestly. I, I'm with you on that. CD heating and air conditioning, 50 years in East Tennessee. Integrity matters. Don't trust a fly by night HVAC company to tell you you need a new unit that costs you thousands or more. Go to cityheatandair.com, cityheatandair.com. Take a moment, support our sponsors, look at them below, and then keep them in mind. For the next time you might need their services, or in the case of Sports Treasures, go down there and say hello or follow them on Facebook. You will absolutely love our sponsors. We only work with people and businesses of high integrity, so we love to endorse them for you. But support our sponsors. That means an awful lot. We'll have some more coming up as well. John Calipari's mad. John Calipari's really, really upset. The show represented by Banks and Jones will tell you why he just blew the balls off after getting beat in Rupp on Saturday night. Banks and Jones? Well, it's because they're Tennessee's trial attorney. You can play to win with Banks and Jones because they'll go to trial. You've heard of other lawyers. They say they'll go to trial and fight for you. They won't. They just want to settle. That's the easiest way out. Well, that's not Banks and Jones, led by T. Scott Jones. They won't settle. They'll go to trial for you. Tennessee's trial attorney. They play to win. Truly 
Tennessee's trial attorney when it comes to criminal defense or personal injury. Why settle? Banks and Jones, T. Scott Jones, banksandjones.com. All right, so Caleb, let's just go ahead and out Dave Hooker that um, uh, he used to be a cute little boy and he used to have red hair. Can you pull up the Twitter and we can share yep, it? I'm on- pulling it up right now. Okay. Um, uh, uh oh, why, why did I do this? Cute or not? Uh, that's a, a little, uh, I think a four year old Dave Hooker, by the way. And uh, I think he's pretty cute, but the hair used to be really red. Caleb, thoughts? I, as somebody, even though I am expecting and it is a little boy, I do not comment on the cuteness of underage boys. That is not something I do. And that is not something you will ever see me do. That's fair. So I can say that I'm cute though. <laughs> okay. And I just, I, I, I don't. Can, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, you're talking to somebody who actually asked if I could uh, uh, at some point. Dave, Joe Paterno's not alive to cover for you nowadays either. So be well, <laughs> no, sorry. Got low blow. Who, you're talking to somebody who like blurted out over the weekend. I would love to take your two girls to Six Flags. Whoa, that sounded weird. But what? I you just, said that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here's the reason I said it is because I love amusement parks and my kids are too old. And even if I got them all ganged up, it'd be just be like, oh, that was a fun ride. It wasn't like that first time amusement park where you're like, wow, that was an incredible. And I said, yeah, I would love to take your two young daughters to Six Flags. I mean, and then I was like, back, I, then I backtracked. I was like, well, I mean, you all can go too. Don't get me wrong. I can, I can just hook us up with tickets. It felt weird. That's like, okay, I was in a, my, my, Friend, me and a few friends were hammered in Atlantic City one time. I was, we were just completely obliterated. I'm not going to lie. I was like 25 at the time. And one of my friends, she was like, she she finds kids adorable. And she was really drunk. And it was like this like six-year-old walking around. And she goes, that kid is so cute. I just want to take him. I'm like, you can't say you want to take a kid. Girl, <laughs> man, that's considered a big compliment among women. You'll find out. <clears throat> that Because no. most, most women just want to give them back. They want them for a little bit. Like when you have your baby, I want to hold it for a little bit, but I'm not going to raise it. <laughs> I don't want to take it with me. Bro, I, Dave's already be like, I want to be called Uncle Dave. <laughs> I do want to be called Uncle Dave. If I'm not called Uncle Dave, I'm going to be Uncle Hurt. It's what I am. It's going to hurt my feelings. Um, I yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any brothers or sisters, and neither does my wife. So I have no nephews or nieces. It's off. All right, John Calipari, who's the bigger baby? Was it the kid who was just on the screen, which was me, Dave, with a full head of red hair? Or was it John Calipari, who just up and decided, I've had enough of this silly old, uh, I don't know, obligations that come with being a basketball coach. You can take this press conference and you can shove it right up your rear. So he didn't show up for the press conference. Radio interview. It was the post-game radio interview he didn't show up for. Yeah, that's pathetic. That's pathetic. That is, first of all, you're talking to your own school on the home radio thing. So it's not like they're going to come out and pound you with fastballs high and in. I mean, these are going to be very hittable pitches. Uh, He sent his assistant coach to go out there. Listen, you do that sometimes when you're playing Missouri State Southwest, north by southeast, 32nd longitude in December. You can send your assistant coaches out there to get a little bit more work in front of the mic. You don't do that after you just lost by double digits to Tennessee at home. That's pathetic. That's next level pathetic. You're right. And it's also, um, isn't it usually a sign that things are, look, I'm, 
I know you say beware winning the press conference. I get that. But I also say coaches who wilt beneath the pressure of the media, beware that they're almost done too. And I have mountains of evidence for that. I have evidence from Derek Dooley's mom defending him publicly on radio stations. You kind of knew that that hire wasn't going to last when that happened. Remember that? She baited me. Did I ever tell you she baited me? I was interviewing a kid, Eddie Goldman, who now is in the NFL, and it was in D.C., and they had me and another reporter on just to ask us about Tennessee, and then she jumped in on the radio interview and started ripping me. And I didn't even know she was – Really? I didn't even know she was – on the show and they tried to play it off like it was just an accident i don't want to get sidetracked continue your point yeah Derek butch jones shy tuttle fell on a helmet okay or champions of life lecturing the media the minute he lectured the media you knew he was done right dave in that moment you're like this guy's gonna not gonna last the year mm-hmm. and then there is i'm gonna give you guys an underrated one josh jobs breakout game 2014, Tennessee's down 42 to 28. Do you remember this game, Dave, at South Carolina? They come back, score two touchdowns in three minutes, and then win in overtime. Dude. What did Spur? What did Steve Spurrier do in the press conference? I don't know if you remember. He gave a quick statement, talked about how tough this loss was, and he's like, "I'm tired of losing games like this, and uh, I don't need to answer any questions from y'all. So I'll see you later." And he just walked off, and then he resigned a year later. So, are you telling me that John Calipari is dead man walking? I think so. I think so. I mean, Nick Saban, as much of a jerk as he was to the media, he never shied away from a press conference, did he? Ever. He never shied away from his obligations. You covered Fulmer. Whatever you might think about Fulmer, he always stood in front of the podium and took his licks, didn't he? When things got really bad? Yes. Uh, No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. He. It's basic professionalism to stand up and take your licks and be honest with the media. And this was a meltdown move by John Calipari. And this was a sign that things are unraveling. I don't know if he's going to get fired or I don't know if he's just so sick of everything that's happening at college basketball. He's going to retire, but this I is like the it, first. Uh, I actually don't think you, th- you're, you're implying that it was an impetuous response, right? That I was mad. I'm, I'm out of here. You go handle it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I think it was an orchestrated response and you'll see other things happen in the coming weeks where he wants his, he wants his buyout. I mean, that's, that's what he wants. So doesn't he have a lifetime contract. Yeah, but he's, he's going to get as much as he can. And I think he's ready to be done. I think the expectations of Kentucky are incredibly high and they're not okay with producing a bunch of rich NBA players. They want more than one title, which is what he has. And I think he's setting up – listen, he did this to himself at the Nets. I had him on the radio shortly after he got fired by the Nets. And I said, well, what happened in uh, that whole uh, New Jersey situation? And he said, well, that didn't work out. They paid me $4 million and I left. He doesn't care. He doesn't bleed blue. I mean, he, he no. would walk away with a bunch of cash and be just fine. Maybe he coaches a lower level or not. I don't know. But to me, he's going to make fact, I'll tell you. And I remember because uh, just for guys, full disclosure, when I was a young kid, when I was 10 to like 15, my grandfather had season tickets to Memphis Tiger basketball games. So like we would always go. So I followed Memphis from the Larry Finch to the John Calipari years. And when John Calipari got hired at Memphis, you probably remember this, Dave, between the Nets and the Tigers, he took an assistant job for the Sixers under Larry Brown for a year. Remember that? I do. And he 
You don't think he had some hot, some college offers? Of course he did. Calipari is very smart in this way. Calipari doesn't take a job that he thinks is going to be too difficult to recruit. He he looked and he took the Memphis job because, as you know, Memphis has a lot of in-city talent, so it's very easy to recruit in Memphis. But he said, until I can get a job where I can recruit in the city like that, I'll take a job as an assistant for a year, develop some connections. Maybe I can use that. He's very meticulous, isn't he? So I think yeah, I'm on I'm, your side. Yeah, and I'm with Smokey Mountain Red. I think Cal has, still has a few years in the tank, but he is over Kentucky. That's what I think exactly. I if you want to compare it to football. You know, Michigan asked John Harbaugh to take a pay cut, and he did. Okay, but what happened the minute he got that first NFL job? Deuces, I'm out. Y'all get to uh-huh. step in. I don't care if you're my school or not. You're the one that made me take the pay cut. Well, what happened, was it a, a last year or maybe the year before, that you had people showing up, fire Calipari signs? You don't think John Calipari knows that? You don't think he knows that's out there? You don't think he feels underappreciated? Of course he does. I mean, we could argue whether or not his tenure has been a failure with just one championship at Kentucky. By Kentucky standards, I would say yes. By almost any other program in the nation, I would say no. If we want to argue that, that's fine. But at the end of the day, John Calipari is looking out for John Calipari. And if he's stressed at night because the fans won't get off of him and they won't get off his kids at school and that's the way Kentucky is. You talk about a one-team state, that's a one-team state. Louisville can say all they want to, but that's a one-team state. And I just, I think he skipped that press conference. I think we we might not hear about it because we don't cover Kentucky closely, but I think there will be other things. They may be behind the scenes where he'll just kind of lay the groundwork for, you know, maybe we should go our separate ways. I, I, I think this is it. That's and there's cultural fits. And let's point this out. When you're winning, cultural fits don't matter. Like, that's why I say Brian, keep people like, Brian Kelly's not a cultural fit for Louisiana. So what? If Brian Kelly's winning, he's not going to care. But if things go a little south, you know this, Dave, there's two types of coaches. Like, Bruce Pearl's a Northeastern guy, but you can tell he's totally embraced living in the South now. You know what I mean? Yes. He's like that like that type of guy. I think that actually something that worked against Lane Kiffin. He may be more comfortable now, but you can tell he wasn't that comfortable in the South when he got hired by Tennessee. Is that fair to say? He wasn't that comfortable in the Southern culture. <laughs> wasn't that comfortable in the South. I mean, no, he was not. Was, yeah. I, no, there's that's that's the most massive understatement <laughs> in the history of the world. So, that like that'd be like Dave was a little uncomfortable at that Taliban meeting. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the the reason I say that is because Calipari is a Jersey boy through and through. He's more comfortable in Northeastern environments or urban areas. Is that fair to say? And if all things being equal, he's a little more comfortable in those type of situations. Yes. Lexington's a small town, college well, town, college vibe in the South. We knew that from the get, but he got, but he was winning. Here. So it was okay when he was winning. Right. We, but we knew that from the get, he's not a talent, talent enough X's and O's coach to produce more than one championship with a, over a dozen NBA players. Sorry, that's a problem. At some point, we can always say, oh, I think he gets a, uh, too hard of a knock because uh, they just want to say he's just a recruiter, not, not an X's and O's coach. No, he's not a good X's and O's coach. Harold Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization. Are your kids safe at school? Call their school administrator. Make sure with Harold Group Security Solutions is your work safe space. Harold Group Security Solutions, highly trained individuals that will take care of you. Harold Group Security Solutions, haroldgrp.com. 
haroldgrp.com. So going back to our poll, if you haven't had a chance to vote on that, a mega conference is what? Awesome, 28%. Still ball, 57% into the sport, 15%. Well, that's good news because when the mega conference happens, we'll still have 85% of our listeners. <laughs> there you go. Fifteen um, and you're like, I'm out. Okay, so it's not a Taliban meeting. So, <laughs> one of the things I want to bring—I did have a funny joke. So we moved. I thought this was funny. My wife looked at me like I was an imbecile. But we had a couple. Our other house was darkish. It was like a cabin. So the one we moved in is really bright and open. We found that some of our towels were discolored. So I said, "You and your friend need a." You need to get together on Monday, throw all the towels away, and just go buy brand new towels. So Taliban together. Oh my gosh! It's oh not bad. My gosh. It's not. Not, is bad. It awful? not it's bad. A little bit. Um, so I actually wanted to get uh, discuss a little bit of the Calipari situation. I thought about this recently because Lamont Paris. You know where Lamont Paris came from, right? The South Carolina coach, and who they beat Kentucky, by the way. Yeah, He's from the Bo Ryan. Well, he came from Chattanooga, but he was a Bo Ryan assistant at Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And so Calipari, I actually would have disagreed with you 10 years ago about his X's and O's because I actually thought Calipari just, it's really hard to get freshmen to play together. And I thought the method of relying on one and done wasn't a reliable method. But here's where I agree with you. It was the year where he got all the five stars. And remember where they all came back for a second year? And that was the only time they all came back and didn't go to the NBA. And in my mind, I'm like, you you have a rare thing now. You have, you have a second straight number one recruiting class and this other one, they all came back. You'd better win it all. Remember they go undefeated the whole year. Then they go to the final four and lose to Wisconsin. I think Lamont Paris was part of this. What was Lamont Paris and Bo Ryan's plan? Do you remember? Do I remember their plans? Their game plan was this. It was if we keep it an inside, keep the game in the post. Kentucky had Carl Anthony Towns, by the way. Probably the best NBA player they ever had under Calipari was Carl Anthony Towns. And I think he's better than Anthony Davis. Um, but they kept him under the basket. They kept Frank Kaminsky under the basket with Carl Anthony Towns. And they said this, if we keep it patient and play our inside game and don't deviate from it, at some point we'll get a lead. And they knew, they said, when we get a lead, Calipari gets impatient and he lets his guards start jacking up threes. And that's exactly what happened. Same thing that, by the way, same thing North Carolina did to Tennessee when Jerry Green was coach. Remember when Tennessee, out of desperation, started jacking up every three in the book in that Sweet 16 game, Dave, when they came back? I do. And that is a product. When you start jacking up threes because you get behind, that's the biggest sign of bad coaching. Because a good coach like Calipari would have said, hey, let's keep feeding Carl and Anthony Towns. Frank Kaminsky can't handle him. And he panicked and let the Harrison twins just shoot, try to shoot their way out of the, out of the slump. And You have to pick one. You have to pick one. John Calipari is not the head coach at Kentucky next year or Tennessee basketball makes the final four. What's better for Tennessee basketball? No. What is more likely to happen? John Calipari is not the head coach next year. I think I that's take, more likely. I will take Tennessee making the final four because I could see him stringing, the, stringing them along. I don't think he cares to be miserable. So if he needs to be miserable to get a little bit more money in his contract, he would do that for another year. But I don't know him uh, personally. So he is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Check out the latest with Cooper Mays. That's up. He talks a lot about Nico. And why well, it's he's the captain of the ship now. It's time to go. Better get up and running. And how Cooper Mays is going to help out as well. I want to take one second.
to remind you before you leave, subscribe, hit the like button and turn the notifications on with that bell thingy so that you know when we have the latest things up. You might have missed David Cutcliffe talking about Todd Helton if you didn't have your notifications on. You can miss stuff. You can miss a lot. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit